0: G'day, thank you for having me in your home for this Good Life at Your Place service. We're coming from my home, my family home in Cameron Park on the outskirts of Newcastle. And it is always an honour to share the word of God with the Good Life Church family. We're believing that you would be blessed, that you would be inspired, that you would be equipped and that you would then be sent. We're all called to make a difference. And so we pray that this service would be a blessing to you. Big shout out for those people that have opened their home, opened their hearts, maybe cracked out the Tim Tams and invited someone else to come over and share this service with you. Whether they came or not, you are a hero. And I want to say thank you for sharing the gospel, that no matter what the service looks like or how it's delivered, that you are sharing the gospel, you're gathering together, and you are being an answer in someone's world. So God bless. Hey, it was 1991. Yes, it was a little while ago that I walked into for the first time Uh, what's now known as Good Life Church, Foster Tung Curry, a friend at school invited me there. And I was so glad that person is a special person in my life and always will be for that special gift that they took a risk and invited me to church. But when I got there, I found out that what happened at the large group gathering on Sunday was then followed through um, practically and with love and with generosity the rest of the days of the week. Um, I was included in on the family I was loved. Um, There was so much generosity in so many ways. And uh, I've got so many people to thank for their input into my life, into the foundational years of my life. I saw this all come together. I saw people living out the good life, and it was a stretch and it was awesome at the same time. And uh, like I said, I'm so thankful of those types of people. But it literally changed the way that I saw life. And so when the preacher, who I heard preaching on a Sunday, continue to preach. And I was going, man, this is working. I can see how people are doing this. and This is awesome. And the Bible makes sense. I found myself at the end of one service on a Sunday when the pastor said, who wants to receive Jesus? I found my hand go up and my heart burst and I received Jesus. That journey started a journey of walking with God and learning more about him and also a growing passion that I and other Christians would shine the light of Jesus in every situation, in every season. My sister, not long after I came to Christ as a pre-existing Christian who'd been praying for me for a long time, she went on a long-term mission trip um, into Hong Kong, smuggling Bibles into China. Quite a risky business that my sister got involved with, and she's quite a hero. And um, and she would tell me stories of all kinds of wild things like um, that, that she would see people come to Christ. And I thought, man, you didn't need a church service to let, for that to happen. You could actually do that by sharing faith and I thought, man, that's amazing. And she would talk about that. She would see people come to Christ. People would find Jesus because she was sharing and bringing Bibles across. And that there would be those secretive baptisms. They hired a a hotel room once to baptize a whole bunch of local believers in the bathtub because they needed to find a private bathtub to baptize these people. I thought, man... I want to be one of those people that doesn't take average as normal, that doesn't settle for average Christianity, but a Christianity that's influential and life-giving. But she also shared in regards to the persecution of the church in China and uh, the fact that people would be persecuted, people would be thrown in jail, people would be beaten up. She spoke of ministers and pastors of churches that were actually tortured or killed for their faith. She would talk about believers that would huddle around one single page of a Bible and they valued God so much. They valued the word of God so much. And no matter the persecution that came from the Chinese Communist Party, no matter the persecution that came from that tyrannical empire, that they would stand strong. And under persecution, the church in China has grown. It's stronger. There's more people coming to Christ and many of them can't join him with a public church service. Um, It's interesting. Um, I started to think recently before coronavirus and the lockdowns happened, I started to think, what would happen to us? What would happen to good life? What would happen to me and my family if we couldn't do church the way that we needed to do it? And I wasn't thinking about a pandemic or a government lockdown that would mean that that would happen. I was actually thinking, what's the chances of persecution. I've watched um, politics over the last couple of decades go to the point where Christianity has been celebrated to times where it's been tolerated, times where it's been opposed. And I've thought, what's the chances one day that persecution rises up against the church in Australia? And I started to think, and I thought, man, you know what, as a pastor, I need to make sure that we've got Christians who could stand firm upon their faith and face every challenge that that like the Jews who under so much persecution over so many centuries have stood firm, that have shared values and faith over the family meal and celebrations that actually bring the whole team together. And we share the faith uh, like the Jews have done. Would we do that as Christians? Could I do that as a dad? Not because I'm preaching at a church on a Sunday, but because I'm a good and because I'm a Christian. Could that happen? Would we stand? Would we thrive? Would we pass on values? and Would we pass on faith? Would we share the gospel with those that don't know it when there's not a church service to invite people to? Because I thought the history of persecution against the church kind of stacks up and what's the chances it comes in Australia and New Zealand? But I tell you what, church services have become something we don't want to take for granted we've had to change that drastically and not because of persecution but because of a pandemic it's interesting because all the way through the history of the jewish people and and and, and as christians we are we're grounded in that faith we are grafted into the vine of 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 a Judeo basis, a Jewish basis, a basis of faith that's found in uh, our father Abraham. And right the way through the Old Testament is the story of the people of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, we find a situation where the people of faith, God's people are in a very, very bad spot. I'm gonna read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 13. So you'll see that these difficult times are not uncommon, but I tell you what, what is needing to be more common is the spirit of faith that we pick up in this story. First Samuel chapter 13, from verse 16 to 18. Says Saul and his son Jonathan and the men with them were staying in Gibeah of Benjamin, while the Philistines camped at Mishmash. Raiding parties went out from the Philistine camp in three detachments. One turned towards Ophrah in the vicinity of Shual, another towards Beth Haran, and the third towards the borderland overlooking the valley of Zeboim facing the wilderness. Um, Back in those days, war was pretty common. Raiding parties, opposition against the people of God was pretty common. And I tell you what, sometimes we can get used to a comfortable Christianity where I get what I want through the church that I choose, I choose to be a part of. It's a little bit of a transactional part of human nature that we want our preferences. And so, but we've got these situations right here. They're in a very tough spot and they don't get their preferences. But there's even more of a predicament. You'll see here in verse 23 of chapter 13. Um, It says, now a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the past at Mishmash. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. They're in a big predicament, but Jonathan has a very different spirit. He's got faith. He is different. He's got initiative. But the situation is actually worse than I even told you first. This young guy, Jonathan, stands up, not just when things are tough, not just when there's opposition, not just when he can't actually meet in the church building with his friends. He's out and they're at war, but here's even a bigger kicker. You'll find this from chapter 13, 19, verses 23 to 22. Now, this is after the fact we find out in the earlier verses that they're at war and this is terrible. Verse 19, not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, Otherwise, the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plowshares, mattocks, axes, and sickles sharpened. So the Philistines who were against them were saying they will not have weapons to fight against us if we abolish blacksmiths. And so what you'd find is they were able to come to the Philistine blacksmiths and get their tools to be able to um, sow crops and farm and to be able to take care of things around the home. They were able to get them, but they were still at an exorbitant price. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plowshares and mattocks and a third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes and for repointing goads. And so you find out here that on that day of the battle that we're about to talk about, Not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. I'm going to pitch to you today that church services that we've had within buildings are like a weapon. We have relied upon it. We've decided at Good Life, let's get good. We want you as Good Lifers to feel proud to bring a friend to any service. That we would want that at every Good Life service that you, no matter how long you've been a Christian, would have an encounter with God, that you're never the same, that you'd get the word of God enough to chew on, but not too much over the head of that person you're believing. You've brought, you've prayed, you've brought them along. You're proud to bring a friend to him so you want to know that it's in language that people can understand. So we're talking deep issues of life. We're talking, we're getting into the word of God and we're bringing life and we're bringing challenge, but it's going to be in layman's terms. That's what we've wanted to do. And now I'm finding that we can't do those church services in buildings and I miss it. Sincerely, I miss you. Sincerely, I miss hanging out with my friends. And I'm... uh, Big sanguine. I'm a campus pastor at Newcastle, but I, I get around all of the campuses. It's my honour and privilege to serve in that role. We just sent we we just followed our dreams and sent a, a team of champions to go to Auckland, and I miss them. I miss hanging out with them. I'm on Zoom every blue moon with them, and we're training, and I'm regularly training campus pastors all over the place. But I'm not. I'm not with the people. I'm not with the people that I want to worship with. And to see you worship with your family, to see you grow in faith, to see you amen your campus pastor, to see you have a couple with your friends afterwards and share faith and share support is absolutely remarkable. I don't ever want to take that for granted ever again, but a church service in the way that we've run it previously is like a weapon. And in this case, you find that they couldn't even sharpen their weapons. They couldn't actually sharpen those weapons that they want to use against the enemy. They could defend or they could attack. And that's what a church service gathering together like that has been like. Let's never, ever take that for granted. Our plan as Good Life has always been to build strong Good Lifers, to build Christ followers, people that would know Christ. We want you to know him. And no matter how long you've been a Christian, let's be continually on the journey of saying, God, I want to know you. Isn't it awesome? The first day, your heart gets open and you and you realize that God loves you, that you're a sinner, but yet you are saved by the grace of God. What a beautiful, beautiful day. But his mercies for every Christian, they're new every single day. And I, I want to encourage you to continue to know him. We want people to be free from the past. I'm so glad that I got to be part of a church community that said, you know what? You're a bit messed up by your past, but you're loved anyway. We'll be generous and include you anyway. And that's the kind of community... I would love us to aspire and work hard to be that, you know what, we want people to know why he's placed us on the planet. Two greatest days in a person's life, one is when you're born and the second is when you know why. But to know why you're born then means that you're called to use those gifts, those talents, that calling, that ability that he's given you, that heart to actually use those skills and to make a difference for good and for God on planet Earth. Those services where we used to gather together in buildings, they it's great as a pastor. I get to see people. I get to notice people. I get to pray for people. I get to notice if you're having an up day or a down day. I can read it on your face. It's part of being a pastor and actually caring. We've used those to link people together, to connect and to inspire. The whole point is that we want to mobilize an army We want to mobilize an army because at Good Life Church we're creating a movement because when the building can't be used, the movement still spreads. You can can shut the doors to the building, but you can't shut the doors... On a movement, those services are a tool, ladies and gentlemen, they're not the be all and end all. And if we look at those Sunday gatherings in buildings as the bill, be- if that's the goal, then we've missed it. I'm not reading my Bible right if that's it. Now we want to use them. They're a tool. Let's not be silly. Let's not take it for granted. But it's not the end goal. Having church service is not the end goal. It's disciples on planet Earth that are followers of Christ and therefore fishers of men. You can shut the doors of the buildings, but you cannot shut down a movement of people. And that's what Good Life Church is. We've always strived. We've always prayed. We've always led. We've always encouraged Towards that end, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47 talks about how the church gathered and they did it in large groups, but they couldn't do it in a building. There wasn't a building big enough to contain, so they did it in the temple courts. And just as significant, they broke bread from house to house. And they had one-on-one favour with people and all of those are significant. The large group and the small group and the one-on-one. But if our focus is on the gathering in the large group and missing out the empowerment of people to do community together and to influence their world one-on-one to shine a light in their family and to other Christians and to those that aren't yet Christian. If we miss that, then we've missed the whole point of why we did gather together in the large groups anyway. You know, we've always strived that way. It was a number of years ago at Good Life Church that I said, you know what, we're not going to be doing cup and juice and bread, sorry, a little bit of a cracker and a little bit of juice on a Sunday calling that communion because I read in the Bible, I went through it and I can't find anywhere where that happens with more than 13 people. And when they do it, they have a full meal because they get to actually share the word and to share fellowship and to actually support each other. When you are looking at the front and someone's giving you a five minute message on communion with a little bit of juice like that and a little bit of cracker, that is not the picture that Christ had for us. God bless all of those people that do it that way, but I can't see that's the intention rich fellowship and supporting each other and being the body of Christ, not just in large group gatherings, but when we come together, not as just the church gathered in large, but scattered that we would come together in small groups and in homes and open up our hearts. That's what we've done. And I tell you what, we took a principled stand, a a principle from the word of God. We read the word of God and said, we're going to do it. And we've paid the price as a church. There were people that said, if you don't give me my cup of juice and a bit of cracker on my Sunday service, I'm not coming back. Let's just say we've always had a heart that's to empower Christians to be the church, no matter what the methodology of the church gathering. Large group, small group, one-on-one. One-on-one, we've always talked about their evangelism strategy has been relationship, example, invitation. That we would be the type of people that say, you know what, people need Jesus and I'm not waiting for them to come to us. I'm going to go to them. I'm going to have a relationship. It can't be done by distance. Uh, Example means that I've actually got to live this life for Christ. I'm not going to be perfect, but I want to be the example. And the third thing is an invitation. You can invite them to your home. You can invite them to a meal. You can invite them to the movies. You can invite them out to a sporting event. You could invite them to a church service, and all of those things have changed, have they not? But does it mean that we need to change the values of evangelism? People get to know Jesus need relationship example and invitation. You might not be able to invite them to a large group gathering in a building at Wickham or the Boulevard or at Beresfield or at the back end of Tuncurry or a home somewhere on the north shore of Auckland. It's a little bit different, isn't it? But the values actually are not different at all. So we're in a tight spot. We're going to work out what to do. It's pretty similar, this situation with Jonathan back in 1 Samuel chapter 14. So they're in this tight spot. And this is, this is the tight spot that it continues to actually explain in the Bible. Verse 4 of chapter 14, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Boses and the other Sene. Now, I could go into the meanings of those, but you just need to know this is a bad, bad spot for these guys to be in. One cliff stood in the north towards Mishmash and the other to the south towards Giba. They are in a tight spot. They are in an exposed spot. They are in a spot where they've got to make a decision, and it's almost like they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. And what do they do? Here is the response that really, really makes a difference was it comes down to the way that they thought, the way that they spoke, and the way that they acted. And we have had to act and change services, but everyone had to. Every church has had to. And now that some churches are reintroducing face-to-face services, we have with all prayer and wisdom alongside your campus pastors, alongside committee management, alongside uh, a directional leadership team that include health professionals. We've talked about how do we do this well to be able to serve our people? And the one thing that drove us every time we had to come to a decision, do we reinstitute face-to-face services? I would love to because I miss you and I miss worshipping with you. I miss the anointing of being with my family and worshipping together in the large group of Good Life Church. But we've always come back to this point. Is this something that you'd feel proud to bring a friend to? And so we've got the choice. We have it, the choice and we have it now. Do we reinstitute face to face services? So let me just point the picture. Let me just unpack the picture of what that would look like. Here's what a face to face service at your Good Life Church campus would look like. It would look like you line up outside 1.5 metres away from each other. You don't shake hands. You stand in family groups. You come through. You register. You sanitise. Um, you get escorted to a seat, which is 1.5 meters away from any other family group. You have to sit in that seat. You can't talk. You can't meet. Well, you can talk from a distance, but you can't really mingle and you can't have fellowship. The service starts, and if there is worship music, you can't sing. That's what it is. If there's worship music, you can't sing. Someone can sing from the front. Someone can pray from the front. We can share the word of God, but then at the end of that, you stand up, and you walk out, you actually one by one, not at the same time, we've got to actually regulate how many people are in every room. And so going back through the foyer, people have just got to, is there any cups of tea? Is there coffee? Is there fellowship afterwards? No, there's not. That is the restrictions. And we've always thought, I don't know if I want to bring a friend to that, let alone would I actually enjoy that? I would love to see you face to face. But I'm going to believe that no matter the way that our services are directed and given, that are in the hands of people, that we would be the people of faith that say, you know what? No matter how the delivery is, we're called to be Christians who shine a light in Jesus' name and our services have changed, not because of persecution, but because of pandemic. And we can be filled with faith and shine a light in Jesus' name. We either have those types of in-person services, which I think, would be really terrible. I don't think I'd enjoy that. And I think that'd get really, really boring very quick, really long in the tooth and really inconvenient. Or we do this. And the team that have worked so hard to provide these services for you are trying to give every good life as something you would feel proud to bring a friend to. And I know, I get it, there's been technical difficulties. I know there's been a journey of working at all sorts of technical issues from the visual to the audio. I know there's been a range of things because I've been up to my eyeballs in managing those sorts of things and having conversations about what cord goes into what machine and how that works and it goes from where to what country to do what to the interwebs i don't like how many conversations i'm like okay how do we fix that how do we change that how do we build a team how do we work it because there's a team of people who are saying i want to empower good life is to have a service they could feel proud to bring a friend to no matter if the proud to bring a friend to was less about the building and probably more about your home These conversations have been had by all of the key team, all of the key players, all of the campus pastors say the same thing. We're praying, we're asking God for his wisdom and to manage all this, but we're more confident to be able to do this right now with services in homes that you could open your home to and invite someone to and enjoy that than we are by doing the alternative, which would be services with distance. A little bit sterile a bit long in the tooth. Jonathan had a situation that he was in a pinch spot, and this was his response. Verse six, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, they're in a big bad spot, right? Remember, there's no weapons. (laughs) It's really, really bad. Remember, there's clips on each side. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Get those words again from Jonathan. He says to his armor bearer, come, let's go. He's got initiative out of the gate. We're going to do something. We, we're going we're to be active. We're going to have initiative. It, we might be in a difficult spot right now, but what we can do, we are going to do. No one else had the initiative or the action or the faith that this guy had. Come, let's go. What are we going to do? We're going to go to the outpost of the uncircumcised men. Man, is that a risk? Here's how he justifies it. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. I don't know about you, but I want my leaders to not have a, perhaps this will work. (laughs) I don't. I I want my leaders, my pastors, the directors of INC, my bosses to be like, this is what God's calling us to do. And God's backing us and we're going to win no matter what. Jonathan's response was action, was initiative. And perhaps, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Maybe this is going to work let's give it a shot. Perhaps is a really difficult spot to be in. Perhaps is the confidence in God while everything is unknown. Perhaps is confidence in God while you're in a tight spot. Perhaps is trusting in God and doing your best. Perhaps is the language of dreamers, the dialect of the faith filled. It's the tongue of the hopeful. Perhaps is when Uh, when given to God, leads to great efforts, glorious attempts, and His pathway to victory and to new territory. Perhaps in a faith-filled heart is trust, it's strong, it's resilient, and it's filled with possibility. Perhaps in God's hands is a sure thing. Perhaps in the hands of these two guys led to victory. And I'm going to let you read further on. You can do it with your connect group or after this service, you've got some friends around. You can read further into chapter 14. Just suffice to say there's a victory that only God could manufacture. Perhaps. Perhaps in the hands of God is a sure thing. So here's four resolutions of the people living in the land of perhaps, the land of faith, the land of dreaming, the, 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 the land of faith, the land of hopeful of great efforts and glorious attempts and a pathway to victory, where we say, God, perhaps you're going to come through with us on this. Here's four resolutions of the hope-filled perhaps people. Number one is I'm going to trust God and do my best. Perhaps God will come through. I'm going to trust God and I'm going to do my best. I love it that Jonathan had initiative. They didn't have enough weapons but I know God's got to come through and perhaps he'll do it with this um, first resolution is I'm gonna trust God and do my best the second resolution is I won't let a tight spot sway my resolve or my faith you're going through tough times right now you might be wobbling you might be feeling like everything is against you and buffeting against you and I want to let you know that the faithful resolve is from saying when I'm in a tight spot I'm not gonna actually let my faith be swayed or my resolve be swayed the third Third one is I'm not gonna outsource my faith. They didn't wait. The leader in this case was sitting back, and he and and Jonathan goes, you know what, I'm just gonna give this a shot. He goes, I'm not gonna outsource my faith to someone up the chain in leadership or down the chain. I'm gonna do it. I want to encourage you. Don't outsource your faith. Don't wait for someone to come to your place. Don't wait. Be the person that says, I'm going to outwork my faith. I want to know God. I want to find freedom. I want to discover my purpose. I want to make a difference because I'm living for God with all of my heart. I'm not outsourcing it and saying someone else's responsibility. I don't need a large gathering in a building to make it happen. The Bible does say, don't forsake the gathering together with the brethren. So there are times where we gather. And if it has to be on a screen, well, so be it. The fourth resolution is I won't go alone. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come, let's go. Come, let's go. There was enough trust that when he presented it to him, that the armor bearer says, whatever's in your arm, let's do it. Because I can trust you. They had enough relationship because they had a lifetime of not doing it alone. So will we reinitiate face-to-face services? yes. Will it happen soon? Perhaps. Oh, I wish I had more information than that. To, get, to try to fake more information would be terrible. <laughs> that doesn't work. What we want to do is to say, well, however long until we do reinitiate face-to-face services, you're going to know That the first service back in the building of Good Life Church at your local campus will be something not just that you could just possibly put up with, but something you'd be so proud to bring a friend to. Our first Sunday back, our first large group gathering will be absolutely amazing and will be the greatest celebration and will be the greatest thing ever. But will that happen soon? But in the middle of perhaps, will we be the people that says, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to do my best. I won't let a tight spot sway my resolve or my faith. I'm not going to outsource my faith and I won't do it alone because Jonathan said, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf, but nothing Here's the deal, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And whether you're able to gather in groups of many or by few, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. He wants your community, your friends, your family to be saved, that they would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference, and the power is in your hands. The people that understand perhaps those with those resolutions are not going to outsource faith and they won't do it alone. So I want to encourage you, open up your home, talk to your campus pastor, talk to someone, talk to your group leader and say, I'll invite someone. Now tidy up the place and make sure it smells nice and do all those things and put out some invitations and be personal, have some hospitality. If you don't know how to do it, then just ask. But who knows that nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by a few in your home. You can do it. Are we heading back to -to face-to-face services? Yes. Is it gonna be soon? Perhaps. When it happens though, you know it will be epic. In the meantime, here's what makes an epic home where you're watching a service. Don't do it alone. Don't outsource your faith. Say to someone, come, come with me. Let's give this a shot. Don't let the tight spot of the changes of church services, coronavirus, of financial pressure, don't let those pressure or sway your resolve or your faith. Don't let it happen. If you find yourself in that spot, please talk to a connect group leader. Talk to your pastor. We would love to help you because you're called to win. You can trust God and do your best. The church buildings are shut. I'm just hoping that our homes aren't shut. I'm just hoping that our hearts aren't shut. I'm just hoping that the day that we get to say it's no longer perhaps we are going to come back with these face to face services, that we find good life is filled with faith they haven't outsourced and the people they've been opening up their homes and bringing along and saying, Come, just hang out at my place. We're going to do church. Do you want? You can invite somebody home you can do it. I'm just praying that when we open up the doors all those people you've been inviting are going to come and find out what this great and awesome good life family is all about. Perhaps the Lord will work on our behalf but nothing can hinder him from saving by many or by few. We're going to thrive in this season. We will review When we come back to -to face-to-face services, we do it fortnightly. I do it with campus pastors, and I do it with a team of advisors in and around myself and Beck as we look over all of Good Life Church. But all I know is there will be a day that we make that decision and say, yes, we're ready to come back. In the meantime, we're doing everything to make sure that what you've got in your hands strengthens your resolve, strengthens your faith, and gives you something amazing to invite your friends to. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you today. For great people loving you, opening their hearts and opening their homes. God, not outsourcing their faith. God, we trust you that no matter what it looks like, for these guys in First Samuel 13 and 14, there was persecution, there was war. They couldn't even have weapons. But God, you came through with a great victory on their behalf. God, I thank you for people like Jonathan, heroes that had initiative and faith and action and a great attitude and believe you for victory. God, I pray, Lord God, that we would have that, that we would have those four resolutions. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to do my best. I won't let a tight spot sway my resolve or my faith. I'm not going to outsource my faith. And I won't go it alone. Father, I pray, Lord God, that strength, that faith, that might into every good life and every person in this service, mighty God, that you would move on their lives and through their lives. You're empowering men and women of God, young and old and in between families and singles, Lord God, from all walks of life, Lord God, to open their hearts and open their homes and open our communities. In Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Hey, there'll be people. And maybe you're a part of this service. Maybe someone invited you over. Maybe you're watching on the screen. Maybe you Googled and found us. I don't know, but yet you're watching a service where we're talking about a passion to bring the love of Jesus to the world. And we can't currently do it with the way that we would be used to doing it. Those church services have changed drastically, but yet you found us on your screen. Or maybe Maybe you've made that decision before to say yes to Jesus, but you've let it slip today today's your day to make it real and right. I want to give you the opportunity to respond in faith to the God who loves you and has done everything possible to make a way for you to find eternal life and a brilliant life even before you make it to heaven. How do I know that he loves you? Because you made it here. You get a friend who talked to you. You get someone who invited you somehow you found us, you Googled and you found it. you made it this part of the service, good on you. I hope it's been awesome for you. But the biggest thing and the most awesome thing possible is for me to give the opportunity that I was given when I was a kid back in 1991 in that little church where someone said, do you want to know Jesus? And I put my hand up. And today, if you put your hand up, I can't see. You can see me, it doesn't work the other way, these cameras. What you will need to do is to pray a prayer and to make one little step after that of just talking to someone that can help you stay strong with that faith. So if you want to pray that prayer of saying yes to Jesus, just pray this prayer after me. Bow your heads and close your eyes, pray it like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you love me and you proved it to me by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to come to the earth and show me how to live. And Jesus, you died on the cross, to pay the price for my sin thank you so much for that i ask you to forgive me give me a brand new start come into my heart be the savior of my life and today i make you lord of my life i'm going to live for you from this day forward in jesus name amen